This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Galatians 4 is Paul's letter to a group of churches, probably five or so churches in the Galatian region, uh, as opposed to one particular church, the way that we saw uh, as you were to the church at Corinth. Churches in Galatia were struggling with uh, a major doctrine of the Bible. Uh, and so Paul wants to set it straight from the very beginning. Uh, they struggled with the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, there's nothing that could get more messed up uh, with more eternal significance than the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind. The gospel is the only hope that any of us have for heaven. Uh, Without the gospel, without the death of Christ on the cross for the sins of mankind, we are hopelessly lost for all of eternity. We are responsible for our own sin. And the Bible says the wrath of God abides on every one of us. But because of the cross of Christ, because of the story of the gospel, we can be forgiven We can be adopted into the family of God. We can be called sons and daughters of God. We can be joint heirs with Christ. We have access to the inheritance of the Father, Galatians 4 tells us, because of what Jesus has done for us. But there were some folks at the churches at Galatia that weren't content with just trusting in Christ alone. Uh, There's a group of folks known as Judaizers who had come into the churches and said, it's good that you want to follow Jesus now. And and if you you claim him as as Lord and Savior, that's great. But you also need to keep the Jewish traditions. Uh, You still need to keep the Levitical law. You still need to keep the feast days. Uh, You still need to have circumcision for men. Uh, We still need to keep the Jewish uh, traditions alive. And so Christianity is great, but it's really kind of more of an addition to Judaism. Paul comes in and says, couldn't be further from the truth, not true at all. Either you're justified by the law, which no man can be, or you're justified by faith in Jesus Christ, which all men can be. And so as we uh, get down here, Paul really chastises these Gentile believers. Now, here's a crazy thing. These Gentile believers in the churches at Galatia, they never were Jews. They never followed the Jewish laws. They never followed the feast days. But they've chosen to now even though they didn't need to. And so Paul uh, really challenges them uh, pretty harshly here in this passage. We're going to start in uh, chapter number four, starting in verse number one. Uh, We're going to really pick up in verse number eight is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here tonight. Galatians chapter four, verse number one. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of this world. The way that the world did things, we were slaves to that before we knew Jesus. Verse number four, beautiful verse. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Verses 8 through 14 is where we'll spend our time tonight. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak 
and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? Wait, what? You got set free from the ways of this world and you were made alive in Christ? Why would you go back to bondage again? Verse number 10, you observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are, I'm not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. And my temptation was in my flesh. You despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. It's kind of a parallel theme that runs between Galatians chapter four here and Romans chapter number six. They kind of run side by side with this idea of us being in bondage or slavery to our sin. Paul says at the very beginning in verse number eight here, before we knew God, we were in bondage to paganism and the gods of this world. Verse number eight, he says, how be it then when you knew not God, before you knew God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. We know that there is no other God than the true Jehovah God of the Bible, but we worship the gods of this world. He said, before you Gentiles became Christians, you didn't do service to God through the law. You did service to the gods of this world and you were enslaved to that. You and I were in slavery to our sin. That's why I love the song we heard tonight, born in slavery to, in, to sin, content to live apart from God. But you and I had been born into a sinful condition that had made us aliens of God, made us enemies of God, had made us the children of wrath, children of disobedience, children of the devil, had made us away from God as far as one could possibly get. And we were slaves to our sin. And here's the worst part. We were okay there. We were content in our sinful condition. I'm thankful that my parents raised me in church where I heard the gospel on multiple occasions and I recognized my need, even as a nine-year-old boy, for the need to be saved. And I put my faith and trust in Christ as Savior at nine years old. At nine years old, I didn't, hadn't committed any great egregious sins by nine years old, but I recognized my sinful condition and I realized that I needed help. I wish I could say that my bondage to sin stopped at nine years old. Well, I was set free. The chains fell off and uh, the door swung open to my jail cell and I was encouraged to walk free from the sin that I had uh, been set free from. But for whatever reason, throughout the course of my life, I find myself wandering back to my sin, seeing if it holds any value from time to time, wandering back to my sin and maybe sometimes just calling it bad habits or poor behavior, but going back to our sin time and time again. Some people have set up residence in that jail cell, put on the shackles himself again and shut the door, content to be in bondage to sin. And the Bible says, before you knew Jesus, that's exactly where you were. You were in bondage to sin. I went out this morning to, uh, to go to the gym and I was walking over to the gym and there was a guy jumped up out of the bushes across the street. Uh, back from behind, there was a big, huge uh, bushes and trees and stuff like that. The guy jumps off, the sprinklers are going off everywhere uh, and the guy's just getting completely and totally pelted by water and everything. Uh, it was a guy dressed in a polo shirt and a pair of jeans and a nice pair of shoes, uh, had gotten drunk, passed out across the street. The sprinklers woke him up this morning. The guy stood up covered in water, slipping everywhere, falling in mud, gets out, mud all over his clothes, stumbling, and he stands up, and he looks around, and he looks at me. 
What do you say to that? Good morning. <laughs> I don't know. And, and he like, he stood there for a minute. He looked at me and he looked around. He looked up. And he turned around and started walking down the sidewalk, holding his head like this. And my thought immediately, what an idiot. What were you thinking? Did you think this was going to end well? You know the worst part about it? You idiot. You're going to do the exact same thing again next weekend. You're going to do the exact same thing again the first chance that you get. And I had to stop for a second. Careful there, Mr. Pharisee. You were there once upon a time too. I was never in a drunken stupor, but I was in slavery to sin before. Careful, this is just a guy who's bought into the schemes of the world. He bought into a system that says, hey, here's a way to have a good time on the weekend. He bought into it. He was led astray and he's in shackles to his sinful condition. And it's easy for Christians to walk by and mock that and make fun and point fingers at and laugh, pass judgment. But I stopped for a minute and I prayed for that guy. Don't know who he is, probably never see him again. But it was just a picture to me of a man caught in the slavery of sin. And I, th I thought about what the Apostle Paul said. Such were some of you. Be careful to pass judgment on people who are in bondage to sin. I have the same uh, feelings from time to time when I drive past. Uh, I, I believe the uh, Jehovah's Witness witness is getting greater in our city. seems like you can't go by any street corner or any area of the inside of our city without seeing their, uh, their uh, board set up with all their magazines and things like that. Every time I, I drive past that, I pray for those people that are standing there that they would be delivered from the blindness of Satan to a false religion. It hurts my heart. They're in bondage to a system that provides no hope. We were the same way before we met Jesus. We were in bondage. But he goes on in verse number nine. He says, but now after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You see, when we look for satisfaction outside of Jesus, we go back to the bondage that we were called from. You can be honest tonight. Is there ever been a time in your life where you thought to yourself, hey, maybe this whole following Jesus thing isn't all it's cracked up to be. Maybe the way that I was doing life before wasn't that bad of an idea. Maybe this whole Christian life thing's a lot of work. I mean, read the Bible, pray, go to church. Maybe life would be a little bit easier if I just maybe went to church once a month. Maybe I didn't read my Bible. Maybe I just watched, uh, uh, maybe listened to a, preaching podcasts like once a month or something. I don't have to listen to Christian music. Maybe I could listen to like uh, positive music. How about that just instead? You ever felt like the, the yoke of Christianity is too heavy? Jesus says it's not. He says his burden's light. <laughs> if anybody's gonna carry the weight in the Christian life, it's gonna be Jesus. But when we begin to look to satisfaction outside of Jesus, We'll go back to the bondage that we were called from. If you think that change of address, change of job, change of scenery, uh, change in pay, uh, change in your uh, position is going to bring satisfaction, you're looking in the wrong place. You've been misled. If you think that there'll be satisfaction in that relationship or if uh, that 
if that status that you can achieve will bring that satisfaction that you desire. It might scratch an itch for a minute, but it'll bring no lasting satisfaction. And the second that you and I think we can find satisfaction outside of the person of Jesus Christ, we've been misled and we're going right back into bondage where we started. And Paul says, you're not even going back to the good stuff. You're going back to weak and beggarly elements. <laughs> he said, Gentiles, you never even were Jews to begin with. Why do you want to be Jews now? <laughs> Look, Jews don't want to be Jews anymore. Why would you want to be a Jew? Jews are coming to faith in Christ. They're being set free from a bondage, and you're taking on a bondage that you never had before. I wrote a quote by C.S. Lewis several years ago that stuck with me. I've had it in my notebook for probably 15 plus years. He said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We're far too easily pleased. Isn't it interesting that many times we can take the lesser things of this world and give up the satisfaction that's found in Jesus Christ? It's almost discouraging sometimes to look back and see the, the, the um, compromises that we're willing to make in our faith because we think that it might bring some satisfaction when there's no satisfaction found there whatsoever because we cannot fully grasp what it means to be satisfied in Jesus. The Galatians had found these Gentile believers had found Jesus Christ. But then they said, is there something else on top of this? How do we, how do we take this to the next level? And they said, oh, you, you just follow the, the Jewish customs. Great, yeah, we'll do that too. Sounds great. They couldn't be satisfied in Christ alone. Angela and I had the opportunity to uh, travel to London this past summer. And uh, we had, uh, had gone on a uh, Christian heritage tour in London. It was phenomenal. Uh, we had a, a tour guide who took us to all the, uh, the major um, religious sites uh, in, in London. It was absolutely one of the best things we did the entire time that we were gone. Uh, it took us to uh, St. Uh, Paul's Cathedral uh, where uh, John Wycliffe was tried for uh, translating the Bible into English. Uh, he took us to uh, the place where they, they burned William Tyndale's New Testaments. They, they put out a decree that all the New Testaments that were in English in London were to be brought to St. Paul's Cathedral uh, and put uh, and set on fire there. It was illegal to own a copy of the Bible in English. And we got to stand in the place where they burned New Testaments. Phenomenal, phenomenal thing. Walked a little ways uh, across town and went, got to go to the church that John Newton preached at. John Newton was the man who wrote Amazing Grace his commentary, The Message of Galatians, John Stott mentions the wonderful account of John Newton, the author of the beloved hymn, Amazing Grace. Newton was an only child and lost his mother when he was at seven. At the age of 11, he went to sea as a sailor and became involved in the inhuman African slave trade. Soon hardened by his evil surroundings, he outdid his companions in immorality, vulgarity, and blasphemy. When he was 23 years old, his ship was caught in a severe storm when he began to fear for his life, he cried out to God for mercy and was marvelously saved. Not wanting to ever forget the depths of the sin for which he had been rescued by God's grace, Newton later inscribed the words of Deuteronomy 15, 15 above his mantle. Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Man, don't ever forget that you were a slave to your sin and Jesus set you free. 
Don't ever forget that because if we keep that at the forefront of our mind, first of all, to keep us from being judgmental of others. Second, it will remind us what we've been brought from and that we don't ever wanna go there again. I wanna remember how good God's been to me. I wanna understand every single day that if it were not for God's grace, I would be a pathetic, dirty, rotten sinner headed to hell, split wide open because of my sinful condition because that's what I deserve. But I've been set free, I've been redeemed. There's no satisfaction in this world outside of the satisfaction that's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Take a look at verse number nine, if you would, here tonight. Now that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to weak and beggarly elements? You see, when we go back to our sin and bondage after being set free, it shows our immaturity and our lack of discernment. I think most of us have seen people who've done really well walking with Jesus for a period of time and then they fall off somewhere along the way. Discouraging thing to see. Sometimes the pulls of the sin of this world were too strong for this person to withstand. Sometimes they weren't readily prepared for a spiritual battle. They weren't prepared to take on the temptation that was coming their way. Sometimes they didn't get the discipleship that they needed. Sometimes they didn't get the encouragement or the fellowship that they needed. Sometimes they weren't plugged into a solid Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that prepared them for things like suffering and trials. But anytime someone turns back from Christ, it just shows the fact that they're and this is not meaning, meaning immaturity in a, in a negative way, like, oh, you're so immature. It's a matter of their faith hadn't come yet to maturity. Jesus talks about how certain seed will be sown. Not all of it brings forth lasting fruit. Some of it springs up for a while and then's taken away. I have to say that every person who's ever came to Hui Kala and gotten saved and baptized or disciple here hasn't stayed. Some of them have been swept away by the cares of this world because their faith hadn't yet come to a maturity. This is why I want for you, church family, to have a mature, discerning Christian faith. I want you to know what you believe and why you believe it. If you had asked a 21-year-old Anthony King why he was a Christian, he would say, because his parents were. My parents raised me in it. This is what I am. Why would you be a Baptist? Well, that's the type of church that I was raised in. Why do you believe the Bible? Because my dad told me it was the word of God. All those are really good answers for someone with an immature faith. But I want you to believe God's word because it's true, cover to cover. I want you to be a Christian because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you know you are saved. I want you to be a Bible-believing Christian. If that means you're a Baptist, then you're a Baptist because Baptists have historically believed what the Bible says and been people of the book. For me, I'm a Baptist by conviction now because from all of the uh, major uh, flavors, I guess you could say, of Christianity, Bible-believing Baptists have historically been the folks who stayed the closest uh, to God's word from back throughout all of church history. But I don't need a label to tell me that I'm a child of God. I don't need a label to tell me that I'm a biblical Christian or a biblicist. But oftentimes when people choose the things of this world over the things of Jesus Christ, it's just a lack of discernment. I want you to be discerning Christians. I want you to be mature in your faith. That's why we make a, a big deal of discipleship here at Who We Call a Baptist Church. Big deal. That's why we say that every Christian should go through some form of discipleship. I don't care if you've been saved for three days or 30 years. You need to go through discipleship to know what you believe, why you believe it, and where you can find it in the Bible. 
so that you can have a mature faith, so that you can have discernment, so that you can lead others along the path that you're on as well. Make a big deal about it. We have uh, sign-ups three times a year. We encourage people to, to go through discipleship, and after you've gone through to teach another person, when someone completes their discipleship, we bring them up, we uh, give them a certificate, we uh, pray for them and encourage them in their faith. Why? Because it's a big deal to grow in your faith because if you don't, you're gonna get turned on to the next flashy thing that comes your way. It grieves me sometimes to see Christians who have come to who we call and they've been uh, discipled, they've grown in their faith and they leave and they go to a church and I say, well, do you know that the church believes X, Y, Z about the Bible, which is a false doctrine? They say, man, I sure do love the music over there, though. Mm, that's a hard one to hear. Because it shows the immaturity, a lack of discernment. Yeah, I know, but I got a lot of friends over at that church, and I, I don't agree with everything that they believe about the Bible, but I sure do like my friends over there. Mm, lack of discernment, lack of maturity. And again, I'm not saying we're the only church in town that preaches the Bible or the only church that has it right. Definitely not the case at all. When someone leaves our church for a false teaching church because of a better show, uh, because of more kids programs, or because that's where their friends are, it grieves my heart and it should grieve yours too because it shows an immaturity and a lack of discernment. We want to be discerning Christians who know the word of God. Paul, uh, at the end of verse number nine, whereunto, what? For what reason do you desire to be in bondage? Paul is bewildered. Why in the world would you want to go back to a bondage when you've already been set free from one bondage? You're trading one bondage for freedom and you're trading your freedom for another bondage. Verse number 10, you observe days and months and times and years. Verse 11 says this, I'm afraid of you lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now, Paul doesn't go so far as to say that he wasted his time on these people. The Bible says that God's word will not return void. And I believe every time you and I share the gospel with someone, whether we're, we're sowing or, or watering a seed that's already there, it's not wasted. But Paul asks a rhetorical question here. I wonder if I wasted my time on you, he says. You see, when we look for fulfillment in anything other than Christ, we discourage those who have invested the truth in us. Every single person is here tonight because somebody cared enough about you to point you to the truth. Whether it be your parents that raised you like me, whether it be a coworker that invited you, whether it be a friend uh, who shared the gospel with you, whether it be a camp that someone took you to where you heard the gospel and accepted Christ as Savior. Somebody cared about you somewhere along the way to get you the truth. And when you turn your back on Jesus, it hurts other people. I remember uh, we first started our discipleship program here at Hui Kala. We were so excited. Uh, we were one of the, um, the continuous curriculum that we use um, on our Wednesday night discipleship program. Uh, we actually got uh, pre-printed copies of that. They were a PDF that somebody sent us in the, the email. We printed them out before the book ever even went to press and we're teaching that curriculum. And we were so excited because our little bitty church that we had, I mean, we had maybe 100 and some changed people at the time. We had 25 people in discipleship in our very first group and we were so excited until about four or five weeks in. People stopped coming. People stopped coming to church that were involved in discipleship. Some people didn't finish. And out of that group of 25, we had maybe, uh, I don't know, eight or nine that actually finished. Step back to that and go, wow, those numbers aren't great. What happened? What can we do? And, and I'm a fix-it guy. 
Uh, I like to look and say, where was the breakdown? What can we do next time? Do we need more phone calls? We need postcards. Should we follow up on people better? Should we sit in? Should we have more training with the disciples? Should we have a different curriculum maybe? <laughs> and then I look to the handbook on discipleship, which is the Bible. <laughs> Did Jesus ever lose any followers? Yeah, you could say that. How about people that wanted to be really committed until they found out how much it was gonna cost them? And then they decided, not really my thing. Did that ever happen to Jesus? Yes, it did. And I realized the problem we were having was not unique to us, it's about 2,000 years old. And if, if we batted 50% in, in discipleship, we'd be knocking it out of the park. But every single person that we invested the word in that quit, it was, it was hurtful. I remember some folks had uh, said, my partner quit, I, I don't think I'm doing it right. I think, I think, I, I think my, it's my fault. <laughs> some people not only quit discipleship, they quit discipleship, left our church and like defriended everybody on Facebook. It's just like, wow, that was really painful. Like, what, what happened? And it was hurtful. And again, we have to realize what Paul says here. I wondered, did I waste my time on this? Did I do it in vain? And here's what I always tell people. If you did it for the glory of God, it's not in vain. If you did it because you wanted this person to know the truth, it's not in vain. Again, God's word will not return void into him. That's a promise from his word. It's not in vain. However, I do believe that we can make bad investments with our time. I do believe that there's some people who have no desire to grow. I do believe there's some people who will never change. I do believe there are some people who do not want to walk the Christian life. They might be interested in a Bible study for a few weeks. They might wanna go hang out and get ice cream uh, after church. Uh, we, we've seen people before who want to come to church events but don't wanna to come to church itself. <laughs> for having a picnic, they'll be at every picnic that we have. They wanna know what time it starts, they'll bring a dish but they refuse to come to a church service. And you look at that and you go, what are we doing wrong? The, the answer is not in us. The answer is in why don't people desire Christ? Paul here was not saying, hey guys, what did I do wrong here? He was saying, why did you leave Jesus? I'm shocked by that. I don't understand, I can't process that. What happened here? And Paul was discouraged to a certain degree he didn't stop there. He just kept going. You see verse number 12. He says, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Verse 12, regardless of what Bible translation you're reading, it's kind of a confusing verse, but most Bible scholars believe that Paul's saying here in this case here, hey, I've put myself in your shoes. Would you put yourself in mine? Would you see where I'm coming from? I've seen what you're doing and I've tried to process this the way that you would. Would you look in mine? Because it, it doesn't hurt my feelings in this case here what you're doing. Verse 13, he says, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. You see, Paul had uh, come to him them in sickness in this case here and, and uh, had preached to them, not at 100, operating at 100%, but he was well received. He says, verse number 14, in my temptation which was in my flesh, he despised not nor rejected. Here's what he said, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. <clears throat> He's saying, there wasn't any question on my doctrine when I came the first time. 
you received me as a messenger. That word angel doesn't necessarily mean that they thought that Paul was a robed, uh, winged angel from heaven. The word angel means a messenger. You treated me like I was a messenger from God and you received the word that I gave you as the words of Christ himself. And you received me well. What happened? Where did we get off track? I don't know what the application is for you here tonight, but for me as I studied this, I checked my own heart. Is there any area where I'm content to go back to my sin? Not really that big of a deal. Maybe I'll make excuses for it. My sin's not as bad as somebody else's. Where somebody like Paul would say, hey, hey, you've been set free from that. You don't have to go back there anymore. If you're struggling with any sort of habitual sin, again, a parallel passage for this would be Romans chapter six. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul goes on to encourage us not to yield our members as instruments to unrighteousness, but rather to righteousness. You get to choose how you want to live your life. Choose to live for Jesus. Maybe we've become judgmental, as I have the tendency to do from time to time. I see things very black and white. (laughs) You're either right or you're wrong. When you're wrong, you're dead wrong. And let me tell you a hundred reasons why you're dead wrong. But do I have the same grace as Jesus has? John chapter one says Jesus was full of grace and also truth. He compromised the truth that he was loving and gracious as he gave it to people. Am I off balance in one of those areas? I hope not. Maybe there's somebody here who's been struggling with sin. You've gone back around to it again. Maybe you haven't even committed the sin, but in your mind, you've allowed yourself to go there. I've known people before who have, uh, in their 30s and 40s, thought, oh, I had so much fun when I was in college, and I had so little responsibility, and things were so free back then. It's like, no, you don't realize that wasn't the good old days. The days you were following Jesus were the good old days. And you can get back there today. Don't pine for past sin. Oh, you've been set free from that, Christian. Live in the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. We've been set free from that. I don't ever have to go back there ever again because of what Christ has done for me. Maybe you're here tonight, you don't know for sure that you're saved. You're not 100% sure that heaven's your home when you die. You haven't been set free from anything. You're still in bondage. Bondage to your sin, and the only way that you can be set free is through what Jesus Christ has done for you. Let tonight be that night that you put your faith and trust in him. But, This week, these Christians get to live in the freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. Let's do that. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.